Hi guys, welcome to the MMA UK BJJ show. So, um, me, Stoomboy, as always, uh, joined by probably the man at the moment. Obviously, I mentioned this on uh, a couple of the um, posts that I put up on Facebook. Obviously, definitely the man at the moment, as I said, Polaris veteran. Um, not just Polaris, Grapple Fest, EBI, European champion, IBJJF, no gi champion. So, uh, we're obviously going to hear a bit about Ash's kind of uh, journey, um, obviously from the beginning through his competition experience and so on. So, Ash, uh, black belt under at the Chris Reese Academy. Um, yep. So, obviously, a great academy as well. So, um, obviously, a lot of good people coming out of the academy. So, um, so obviously, before we jump into that, obviously, one thing we want to mention, obviously, our, um, we are good friends at Raven Fightwear. Uh, got kindly put up a, a prize for a competition. So, a, a ranked rash guard and shorts from their ranked range. Uh, some great products on the Raven website. So, definitely have a look at that. Uh, you can find it on obviously my own page. You can find it on MMA UK BJJ page, uh, as well as MMA UK news and things like that. Um, so yeah, Ash, absolute honour to have you on. As a lot of people wanted me to speak to you, so I'm glad we managed to get you on. Awesome, thanks, dude. Thanks for having me. And uh, I hope whoever listens enjoys and gets something from it. So. Should be definitely, good. definitely. And you mentioned obviously since Polaris, we kind of had a laugh about this, but you've done a lot of podcasts over the last uh, few weeks. Yeah, I keep, I keep just accepting. Like, keep going. Yeah, no worries. I'll, I'll do it whenever. <laughs> and they get messaged the day before, like we're still good for tomorrow. And I'm like, ah oh, man, I forgot. But, um, I, I actually enjoy doing them. Like I think uh, the idea of like sports psychology or the mentality of high level athletes is a uh, really, really interesting topic you know in discussion so it depends what well, i've had one podcast where they just did like the like, random fire questions and they were like, totally crazy questions well they had nothing to do with shit to or lifestyle <laughs> but it was just fun you know so yeah uh, hopefully people get something out of it yeah and again that's one thing about jujitsu i mean obviously high level guys because obviously you you yourself you're a high level guy definitely one of the the top guys in europe um so obviously for people to be able to to reach out to kind of high-level guys, high-level Jets guys and stuff like that. I mean, it's you guys are very, very approachable. Uh, I, I actually uh, agree with you. In terms of Jiu-Jitsu, I think it's one of the most surreal things about the sport. Uh, I remember it was my first Worlds Black Belt. Uh, I qualified uh, for the Black Belt Gi Worlds in my first year. And uh, I was sitting in the bullpen, and there was like, uh, I think it was like Cabrinha, half a Mendes, um Oh, pretty sure Pachecha, the yeah. tons of guys low, everyone was, but they were in the bullpen warming up the same time as me. And I'm like looking to my right and my left, and I'm like, man, this is so, this is ridiculously surreal. Like, how is it possible within the sport that you just enjoy doing every day? You know, like, yeah. you wouldn't go play football game on the weekend and have like Beckham uh, and Ronaldo just like standing opposite sides of you, you know, that, that, that'd be insane. So, uh, I definitely think it's one of the best things about the sport is the accessibility for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I remember I did a seminar last year with Rodolfo Vieira. Um, and Rodolfo, what he did was, at the end of the seminar, he then spent two minutes rolling with every single person in the gym. Um, yeah. And, I mean, I got guillotined from him, and I thought this was fantastic. Um, I'd just been guillotined by Rodolfo Vieira. <laughs> so, um I always, say, I always say in seminars, people are like, oh, you roll with people. I'm like, yeah, I could roll with a few, but, you know, like, I'm not a 90 kilo or 100 kilo dude, you know, I'm 70 kilos, sometimes I walk on 68. Yeah. And then, uh, especially like, I went to a Polish gym once and there was like, 
30 guys and they're all like 90 to 100 kilos and I was like yeah oh, lads I'm not making it through all you guys you know I'm on the side of life yeah yeah no Fionn Davies she was up in uh, Scotland uh, last year as well did some seminars and she said exactly the same thing she's like I don't mind rolling with as many people as possible but Obviously, I kind of I have to draw the line when it comes to kind of weight limits and things like that. Yeah, so yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely understandable. Uh, definitely understandable. Yeah. Um, so obviously, the we'll kick off. Uh, obviously, the main topic, as everybody's talking about, is the lockdown. Um, yeah. So obviously, uh, in regards to, I know that you obviously been a, a kind of professional, so you'll have had your bubbles and stuff like that that you have been able to train in. But I mean, what what kind of has there been any restrictions on you at all? Um, it depends if you're honest or the PC answer, you know, like, um, I, I'm not, uh, obviously I'm not one that you should listen to in terms of advice for coronavirus or anything like that, you know, like I've got no background in any prior information about it, but, uh, I've tried to like, just not let it affect my life as much as possible. Um, yeah. you know, the way I view it is I used to have physical contact and train and roll with anywhere between 50 to a hundred people per week. Yeah. And, you know, I've reduced it down to, like, six. So, and I've stopped visiting all my friends, all my, like, uh, family. And I, you know, tr- try to do my social distancing, et cetera, when I go to shops or whatever. Um, and I don't really do anything apart from go to the gym and come home. So, yeah. you know, it's pretty essential. So, um, I, I'd consider my training, personally, like, not really affected. Uh, obviously, my gym, uh, my business suffered uh, probably the most in terms of uh, my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I actually quite—it's weird, but I quite enjoyed the um, a, a portion of the first lockdown, where mm-hmm. I felt like uh, I've actually read a book recently. I've, I've been reading a lot more since lockdown. It's one of the things that changed about myself in lockdown. Um, and they said, like you know, the same as like it's easy. Like to have an, like an outsider's perspective sometimes is more valuable than when you're inside your your own head, you know. And um, I think like it's too easy to just get used to your life just being like the same rinse and repeat. Yeah. And um, I think what the lockdown afforded quite a lot of people to do was the ability to like press a reset button that they didn't even know they needed to press. You know, they really mm-hmm. didn't re- they didn't realize that they had an opportunity to kind of change some stuff about their life. Yeah. The first two weeks I treated like a holiday. I was just eating everything and anything in sight. Uh, just enjoy myself, and then uh, I kind of looked in the mirror one day. I was like 70, 78 kilograms, which is like eight kilos heavier than I walk around at usually. And I was like, man, you got to word yourself, you know. So uh, I started like doing yoga every day, start training every day, start dieting properly again, just eating clean, eating healthy, feeling good about myself. And then I just started like trying to think about when I returned to training. You know, it was only I think it was like four, five weeks I lasted before I started training again. Yeah. Um, I tried to start thinking about like if I had the opportunity to change my training, how would I change it? You know, what would I do that would make uh, me a better athlete uh, overall? You know, like, yeah. um, I think when people think about an athlete, the the biggest percentage of thought process or the biggest percentage of what people believe is what an athlete needs to do is just um, train hard. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what I tell everyone is the train hard is probably the minimum an athlete needs to do. You know, yeah. like, as in every athlete has to be the man, has to train uh, X amount of hours a day. It doesn't matter if it's one, two, three, uh, you know, eventually it gets to the point where, the same as, like, strength, you know, if you lift four times a week, five times a week, and you increase it to eight times a week, from four to eight, it doesn't mean you're going to get double the amount of strong in the same amount of time, you know? Ooh. So, there becomes a point where the diminishing returns of excess training 
uh, is no longer um, good. Yeah. So I know I just sat down and thought about what don't I do as an athlete, you know, so I don't lift a lot of weights. Um, I wasn't doing a lot of yoga. I wasn't doing a lot of recovery. So I wasn't really doing like uh, cryo, which I'm doing now, massage mm-hmm. therapy once, twice a week, uh, sauna every day. Um, you know, I wasn't drinking a minimum amount of water. I wasn't doing anything in terms of my uh, mental um like positivity, you know, I wasn't reading anything constructive or progressing myself that way. So I just sat back and had a really good think about where I wanted to be at the end of lockdown and where I wanted to be when I started competing again. Yeah. Uh, one of the biggest differences probably uh, I've put on a bit of muscle mass, uh, mm-hmm. definitely feeling a lot stronger in myself. Uh, I've been following a very um, specific lifting program from uh, um, a company called Grapple Machine, um, strength and conditioning, so that's been going really well. And uh, I actually like one of the things we changed the most is we separated the idea of pro training and uh, hobby, like hobbyist training in our yeah. gym. So we no longer do, um, you know, we no longer do like uh, the guys who want to compete and the guys who just do jujitsu like generically they don't really train the same classes anymore yeah. so we have like a pro training squad at like uh in the middle of the day <laughs> and you know 15 to 20 guys can come down but it's the same 15 20 guys all the time and we talk a lot about like meeting goals and meeting targets as a team and the idea of wanting to be better as a squad where in a generic class i would just teach a technique i hope everyone enjoys crack through jokes have a good laugh uh, and then everyone goes home, just enjoying their their evening, you know. So, um, yeah. I think we made some really good uh, structural changes in the in like the training week, and mm-hmm. in particular the content of uh, how we were training. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I've had a really good lockdown personally. I think like I'm the best version of myself right now. Uh, I probably am not as competition sharp in terms of sparring, but uh, in the winter months, and especially in Wales and, and the UK in general. I think it can be, you know, fairly demoralizing. Like, I'm looking at the window now, it's 10 by 7 and it's pitch black. You know, it can yeah. be a little bit demoralizing um, when these months start to hit round, especially when people shut off towards Christmas. You know, it's like two weeks now. I think we have a week left of class in the gym. So I'm just trying to be consistent. I think in, in these, like, wintry months where uh, potentially you're not going to get your optimal training, the what you need to be doing, you know, you need to be at least doing uh, the just consistency of like the the plat the, the base level of keeping everything ready to go for for the new year so um yeah, yeah i'm really really happy with how how it's gone uh i said financially and business wise it's been a tough year uh but i'm sure that's the case for a lot of people uh which is why i don't really complain about it because uh, at least we made it to the other end with our gym still being open so that's always yeah. good Definitely, definitely. And as I said, in regards to, um, you mentioned as well about obviously all the things that you're doing. So I take it uh, the lack of competition that we're having at the moment, I think that's going to have had an effect on your, your comment, competition uh, sharpness yeah, and things like that. Yeah, 100%. That's probably, that's actually the thing I'm missing the most. Like, uh, you know, I it's a tough one right now because I, I honestly feel like if I take matches um, with UK level opponents, um, it's almost like a lose-lose situation for me. Yeah. Uh, but then I'd like to stay competitively active and, and I'd like to be um, keeping that you know sharpness and my mindset and everything focused. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, like uh, you know, flow uh, uh, 
released their rankings a few weeks back, updated it, and um, they put me in as uh, fifth currently, which was a big surprise to me. You know, I was really happy with it. Uh, I always say, like, with rankings, they're all subjective, and, you know, you can't be like, oh, I'm number until you've beaten everyone in the, like, everyone in the world or the best in your division in the world, you know for a fact. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't really consider yourself number one, two, or three, or whatever in the world. Yeah. Um, but, you know, my goal is to push my way up that ranking and get to that type of standing. So, again, like, there's no other UK guys uh, highly ranked or... Uh, especially world level wise, you know, and the only guy who actually is is Tom Halpin, and he's yeah. the guy I faced last, you know. So, yeah. um, with regards to competition, you know, I'm gonna have to try and get to America as soon as possible. I think, um, Polaris has been doing a great job this year and trying to keep us doing something, yeah. Uh, you know, like squads was really fun, and I had some good runouts, and that's a uh, I had some good matches with some tough guys, mm-hmm. but it's not really conducive to what I'd like to achieve. Uh, yeah. Long term, you know. So uh, when I get the first opportunity, I think I'll I'll be going to America, trying to get on fight to win, uh, third course grappling. Uh, I'm trying to get on uh, some of those shows, you know, and compete against the guys uh, out there. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And then in regards to obviously jujitsu for you, then so so where um, where did it all begin for you? I mean, what what attracted you to jujitsu in particular? Uh, so I, I've actually I did uh, traditional like Japanese jiu-jitsu uh, mm-hmm. from a child for self-defense purposes. So my dad used to do it as well. So he took me, my brother, and my sister along to try it out. Um, and to be fair, it was just like I tried everything as a kid. You know, I tried every sport: going rugby, football, gymnastics, cricket, athletics. You know, anything, swimming. It didn't matter. I, I, I would like represent the school or um, the county or whatever in any sport I could. Uh, but jiu-jitsu was the one that I did the most consistently. So I did jiu-jitsu twice a week, every week from when I was like six until I was like 16. Yeah. Uh, with the other sports, you know, I was intimately in and out of them, like changing up every different night of the week I could, you know. Um, and then I actually asked my coach at the time, uh, a female, uh, I had a female coach back then called Carrie Griffiths. Um, and I asked her, look, I want to compete in jiu-jitsu. I said, you know, I, I've been doing it for a long time now. Uh, in particular, I wanted to do the uh, Niwaza, the groundwork. I wanted to do the, the, so we used to do back to back, which is you all sit back to back, and when they say go, you turn and you yeah. you wrestle. You know, like it's really old school, but I still really love that part of training. I said, look, you know, I'd like to do because there was there was like back to back tournaments, uh, but you know they were few and far between, and and we weren't really competing gym. You know, we were like self defense gym. Yeah. So yeah. I said, oh look, you know, I want to compete. Uh, do you know of anywhere or anything about? And my coach at the time said, oh, look, you know, in, in traditional jiu-jitsu, Japanese jiu-jitsu is not that common because obviously the self-defense element is the primary function of it. It's not a sport, you know, it's, it's a martial art. Yes. Yeah. So he said, oh, you know, try Brazilian jiu-jitsu. There's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu gym the other side of Swansea. Mm-hmm. Try it out, you know, and I was like, okay, cool. So I, I, I went there for one session uh, with my brother and uh, the coach, Chris. Um, he was impressed with myself and uh, Josh and I. Uh, you know, he's, he was happy with us, and he said, "Look, why don't you come to the adult classes?" So we were 14 at the time, and he was quite—he was quite. When we first got there, he was like, "Oh, like I'm really strict. You know, I don't let uh, anyone just come into the adult classes." So we were like, "Look, let's have a little go, see what we can do, and you can make a decision." Yeah. So he phoned us back, and he was like, "Oh, come to the adult classes. You get the most out of it." Mm-hmm. And then, like, I just gradually just quit everything I was doing. I just started jujitsu twice a week, and then when they put like a Saturday class on, I quit what I was on Saturday. Went went to jujitsu, you know, and then Sunday quit quit that sport, quit rugby, went to jujitsu. And so from like fifteen, I just about turned fifteen when I was starting. Um, 
when I was starting BGJ. Um, and then I just just enjoyed it. And I, I was the type of guy who, you know, Chris was like, this competition, like, tomorrow. I'm like, all right, cool. I just picked me up. But I'd say this to everyone. I got absolutely battered. Mm-hmm. I, I got absolutely whooped for my first tournament. It was like 20, 20s, 30, 40 points being scored in me in a tournament. To be like, I was getting proper hammered, you know. And it wasn't... Um, I don't really find it demoralizing. You know, I, I'm a super competitive person. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I always say I'm super competitive in virtually everything I do. Um, and I just enjoyed the thrill of it. You know, I enjoyed the test of myself. And that's what I, I view competition as a lot of the time. You know, I view it as testing myself against these guys. Like, I've lost matches and felt good. And I've won mm-hmm. matches and felt bad. You know, like, it's... It's a case of how I feel I perform is my primary concern when I compete. And uh, I just, yeah, I just kept competing and I just fell in love with the sport. And I remember, you know, I was, it was like, oh, why don't you try this? So I did like the half open and then I was like, oh, okay, cool. You, you know, you've won that. Okay. So why don't we try this one? And there was like the British Open and then, yeah. and then I, I won that. And, and people were like, oh, you, you know, you're starting to get good. And I was like, well, you know, I'll, I'll take your word for it. But in my opinion, uh, you know, like it's still, uh, a big pond, and I was a small fish, you know, so I just had to keep working my way up um, and taking along. Um, back then, like, my brother used to, like, wreck me in every tournament we did. Uh, <laughs> like, he just, like, we'd make the finals, maybe, and he'd give me a beat down. Um, and then, actually, he had a, uh, he had a knee, sur- he had knee surgery, so he was out for six months, mm-hmm. so about a year. And, like, um, kind of when he kind of backed, like, Put, put, took the took the heat off, you know. Uh, it's when I actually put the foot down. It's when I was like, man, I'm on a goal now, you know. I'm really gonna compete as much as I can. And that was just when we just just when I got pulled about. Um, yeah. And then I was just traveling all over the UK, getting tournaments in. Uh, I really regret not competing internationally at a lower level. Uh, yeah. Like my first time competing in America, uh, I was a brown belt. Yeah. Uh, and then the first time I did like. Uh, anything serious, you know, as a black belt, where, you know, a lot of the, the up-and-comers now, like the, the Rio Tolos, Nicky Ryan, Ethan, you know, these guys, like Taza, they've all done, you know, they've been doing these type of tournaments since they were purple, blue belts, you know, like yeah. uh, Lacklands, um, Craig Jones, you know, they, you, you see them all on, on the podium at Worlds, back of purple, brown, blue, and I didn't really compete at all on that stage, you know, so I do feel like I'm chasing, but then, in the UK, it's one of those things where uh, virtually everyone tells you, you know, like every time you go like, oh, I'm really ambitious for this super high achieving goal. Everyone's like, nah, you probably shouldn't do that. You're probably not going to get it. And I'm like, all right, cool. And then, and then when you do get it, you achieve it. Everyone just goes, everyone just hits. And they're not even like, they don't even go like, well done. They go, yeah. oh, 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 okay, he did it. Oh. And you're like, Man, like you don't support me when I was trying to be ambitious, and when I achieve, you don't support me either. So, yeah, um, yeah. you know, I think it's uh, quite typical of the UK. Uh, you know, like Polaris squads, UK uh, when the UK team fought, kind of showed that. You know, the fact that people can't just be supportive of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but UK BJ is really, really taking strides lately. You know, it's really improved the last few years. Obviously, Fionn is uh serious seriously serious, uh serious high level competitor i know she's brilliant yeah. uh i trained with her just for lockdown actually uh which is really cool because her parents live 
uh, close by to the gym. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was fortunate enough to get some training with Ross Nichols in. You know, he's mm-hmm. an absolute monster as well. And then uh, when I spoke with Dan Strauss last, you know, he's all about coming back to, to tournaments and, and making a good run at it. So, you know, there's there's great talent everywhere. And then, you know, in the Gi, you've got your Sean Coates, Bradley Hills, Oliver Lavelle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the, the talent is there in the UK. Uh, maybe just exposure is not enough. Yeah. Um, you know, like it took me ages to get ranked on Flow. And at one point, I'd beaten like six out of the top 15 in the world yeah. and i was still unranked and i'm like i don't know what you want me to do you know i don't want, i don't know what you want me to do really you know like i'm really trying my best here to to uh test myself and prove myself but um it can be difficult sometimes to get that recognition and then push the uh you know push yourself up even like elevate yourself higher yeah. within the field so it's just a case of hard work over time i suppose and um when i started competing you know when i started when i started first of all uh I literally only ever wanted to leave school and teach jujitsu for like just to be able to put food on the table. You know, I, yeah. I, I didn't really, there was no ambition to be like, oh, I'm going to be world champion. I competed because I enjoyed it and I did jujitsu because I loved it. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't like, it wasn't the case of I'm going to be the best in jujitsu I could ever be. It was mm-hmm. a case of I really don't want to be sat behind a desk. So if I teach jujitsu, I won't have to. Yeah. And that was my initial thought. You know, I made a deal with my mum. So I went to university. I did a, a physics degree in university, mm-hmm. um, which I absolutely detested. I, I hated it every single minute of it. Uh, the only part I enjoyed of university was spending the student loan on competitions <laughs> and uh, going out partying. So, yeah, yeah. you know, like I did the three years. Um, if I go back in time, I probably would have done three years training more jiu-jitsu. To be honest, I wouldn't have done the university. Yeah. Uh, but I came out with a degree in the end. And then I said to my I said to my parents, look, give me one year. If I can't make a uh, minimum wage full time, so like thousand pounds, twelve hundred a month, teaching mm-hmm. jujitsu, then I'll just, I'll get any job you want me to get. Jimmy, I'll just do any job you want, and it is where it is, and I'll go from there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But you know that was the start of it, and here we are now. And you know I still feel like I'm chasing uh, goals and chasing ideas. Uh, I'm trying to achieve bigger, better things all the time, but. Uh, yeah. I certainly am. I tell everyone, if you know, if I retired tomorrow and I stopped competing, uh, I wouldn't be happy. Like in terms of, I wouldn't be happy in terms of I, I didn't feel I could achieve more, but mm-hmm. I would have achieved more than I initially thought I was going to anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I, 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 I consider that uh, uh, nice. You know, it's, it's a good thing to be able to sit down. You know, when you're older and think like look back on kind of where I was at. So, uh, anything I achieved from here now is just lovely. It's a bonus. You know, it's just I feel like. Uh, I feel like I'm winning all the time now, so it's great. Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned Josh as well. I mean, so you guys actually fought each other in competitions. Oh, tons, 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 times. You like, know, you hear a, you hear a lot of that. I mean, where where maybe um, not if gyms you come up against your teammate or whatever, and they won't fight. But then obviously here, obviously brother fighting brother in competitions. Oh, so. He's he's told me numerous times. Like if we go ADCC trials and we get to the final, he said I'm gonna try and rip your foot off. <laughs> like, <laughs> like but it's my it's been my dream for years now. Like I I want I want an ADCC. Like I really feel like I deserve to be an ADCC. But he's yeah. like if I get a chance, I'm pulling your arm off. And I'm oh. <laughs> like, oh, man, you know. So, 
I remember, I remember we did a total back in hair for I think it was, and, and we used to really go for it. And like, he had me like a super deep arm, but like ridiculous. And yeah. obviously, I'm like, I don't want to tap, and I'm super stubborn. And he actually he let go of the armband, didn't break my arm, thankfully. But afterwards, he always tells me, he's like, Oh, I could have broken your arm. And I was like, I'm going to tap anyways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's probably like, I think I've beaten probably like twice in tournament ever, and he's beaten me like. 20, 30 times. I don't know. Yeah. Well, to put it this way, he's got the best win record over me of everyone in my career. <laughs> right. He, he right. holds the most wins over me of everyone I've ever fought against. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. I mean, it's good. I mean, I will, like, I train with my son. My son's 22, I'm 43. And that's yeah. what we always said if we came up against each other. And people in the gym used to talk about it and said, if you did come up against each other, whether it be in a division or absolute, yeah. would you fight each other? My son was like, yeah, yeah, I would go for him. <laughs> so, yeah, 100%. Yeah. So, um, yeah. It's, I think it's one of the best things about the sport. You can literally go absolute balls to the wall, like super aggressively hardy in someone in a match. And, you know, you're not like, same as MMA, like I wouldn't fight my brother in MMA. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take pride in or joy and punch him in the face. But yeah, you know, like jujitsu uh, is just a case of two guys coming, going onto a mat, same as like a chessboard or anything, or a game of cards. And you know, you just, you both got, uh, you both got your hands, and it's how you play them. You know, you both, yeah. you both got what, what you've got, and it's what you can do on the day. You know, like I genuinely believe that pretty much anyone in the top ten can be anyone in the top ten in any given day. Uh, yeah. vice versa you know like it's it's really is a, a small margin game um and it's not a case of uh every you know like just because the jiu-jitsu math i talk about this a lot like like you can if you beat someone and then they beat someone it doesn't mean that you can beat that person also you know so yeah that's why i find it very difficult with rankings to be uh because it's not a league you know like yeah. football's a league like yeah. it would be it'd be incredible for one day jiu-jitsu reached that position where you know they took the top 20 guys at the start of 2021 and you know one show like organized the fact that all these 20 guys would have a match against each other or two matches against each other through a given yeah. year Jimmy and that would really give you a very very accurate uh ranking system where mm-hmm. it, when you know a couple of guys sit down on a table and go oh he looks pretty good recently yeah let's mm-hmm. just chuck him up five places yeah. Like, like yeah. what? What? Where, where did that come from? Like, I, I went from I went from not ranked to losing, and then getting ranked tenth. Then I had two wins, and then I was fifth. You know, like it did. Yeah. It, 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 the journey kind of didn't make sense to me, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm just happy to have my name up in the mix with those guys. You know, so. Uh, but yeah. you know, a league is really what uh, judicial rankings should be based on, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean a league would be good. I mean, as you mentioned, taking taking the top twenty guys, let's say like sort of two thousand twenty one when we get back to competing, taking the top twenty guys, they'll all fight to become the top twenty for two thousand twenty two, and then yeah. as you mentioned, have a, a a kind of playoff, have them all fight each other, and then yeah. knock, knock, f- knock five people out, pull five people up, you know, whatever you want to do. But um, you know, like when you think about like MMA rankings, realistically, the only ranking that matters is the UFC rankings, yeah. and the only rankings that matter in the UFC is really the person who holds the title. Yeah. Because yeah. after again, after that, it's not a case of like if he beats him, then he moves up and he moves down. They yeah. kind of just they, they still make it subjective. You know, like Conor McGregor can just be ranked wherever he wants to, even yeah. if he doesn't fight. It makes it makes no sense. Whoever whoever does the pay per view, so it's not a it's not like a true league. Yeah, it's still a subjective ranking system, so it doesn't really uh, do it justice. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, so yeah, if any promoters are watching, definitely get something together. I mean, that 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 would definitely bring in some fans as well. I mean, uh, I, I thought about doing the UK tons about trying to run like a jiu jitsu league, but um, yeah. it's it's difficult at the moment. You know, like a lot of jiu jitsu athletes um, want to only find like pro shows, for example, uh, yeah. or want to you know just do just do this or just do that or just do sub only, just do EBI overtime. Um, you know, I think. Uh, in particular, you know, when it comes to the UK scene, I like I think there's too much people trying to hold on to who's the best in the UK type mentality, or who's like the best up north, who's the best down south, who's the best in London. Yeah, but it's too it's too short sighted. Like we need to be just competing against each other frequently so that we get competition experience and then go out and test test ourselves against uh, the the top tier guys. You know, Polaris do a great job. You know, Grapple Fest. I've obviously haven't run for the later part of the year. Uh, Pantheon started just before lockdown, and there was other shows coming through like Ace Grappling, and a few others have popped up uh, recently. You know, they're all really, really good shows, and I got a lot of time and, and respect for them all. Yeah. Um, but in theory, like my opinion's always been the same: is that like pro shows should really be reserved for brown and black belts. That yeah. in an ideal world, it would just be black belts who mm-hmm. are going out there actively to go compete against. Uh, the best guys, you know, so yeah. um, one day I think they'll get there, but then if you said like black belts was the minimum, then like Nicky Ryan could have competed, you know, so yeah, there's, yeah. there's got to be exceptions to the rule and, and ideas like that, but uh, generically, you know, like I think two blue belts having a super fight on a pro card, it, it, it just doesn't make sense, you know, just go to Hereford, get get yeah. five mat- get five matches in a day and just keep racking that experience up. Definitely, definitely. And then, uh, obviously, in regards to your experience, obviously, we, make, we kind of touched on some of it. I mean, we mentioned, obviously, Polaris, obviously, um, yeah. winning the belt three times. Um, obviously, you mentioned about being in the the, the team's event as well. Um, obviously, doing Grapple Fest and, and so on. You did some IBJJF comps as well, so I kind of noticed that. So, you got a little bit of experience under that as well. Yeah, I actually, originally, um, I was originally just a gi points fighter. Yeah. Which is what I tell everyone. Like, is, like, when everyone asks me, like, oh, should I do gi? And I go, well, mm-hmm. look, I did 10 years as a gi points fighter. Like, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I did for ages. I just took for IBJF through brown and black belt. Uh, mm-hmm. And then as a... Uh, I got invited to EBI, and that's when I got changed over to no gi. It wasn't really my idea to go to submission grappling. It was a case of it got chosen for me. Yeah. Because when EBI invited me there, and I was like... No way! I remember, I, I, don't know, I remember the day. It was incredible. Eddie Bravo literally just popped up into like you got a request message on on Instagram. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, that's interesting. What the request? And I was like, Eddie Bravo. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, boy, do you think that's the real Eddie Bravo? Like, that's, that's like they're like click on it. I clicked on his profile. And obviously got like massive following. And I was like, holy shit, man! Eddie Bravo just messed with me. This is insane, you know. Um, and I he was he just messed me saying, do you want in? And I was like. Yes? <laughs> Question mark? <laughs> like, yeah? Like, uh, 100%, man. I, I'm, I'm game, for sure, you know? And yeah, then uh, yeah. I got, like, that first experience of going out to EBI. And uh, I just couldn't believe it. I was like, man, this is nuts. Like, and then I fought and lost. Mm-hmm. And loads of people were like, man, your your match was super entertaining. And I thought Half El Domingo's the first EBI. It was a, I thought it was a really good match, you know? Yeah. Uh, I've always struggled with all the time. It's not really my forte. I, I don't really practice much negative positions in, in sparring. Uh, so, yeah, we fought, fought half at Domingos. It was good fun. Um, and I got this. That was that was what spurred my whole career. Like I say, Eddie Brown was really, like, gifted me such an amazing opportunity because without that one lifeline, 
yeah. I, I don't know where I'd be right now, you know, because they kind of kicked me up to the the big leagues um, and give me an opportunity, you know. So, and then I, I fought on different shows. Eventually, I fought in Kasai, uh, so I fought in Grapple Fest in the UK, uh, Polaris. Mm-hmm. I've been back to EBI two more times. Yeah. Uh, and I just love, I just always just loved the experience of competing on those those pro shows. I think they, they're really, really good fun. Uh, and obviously, they like, they're the start of what jiu-jitsu needed you know they, they uh, i'm jeff i i even though i would hate i'm jeff i i massively um uh, i think they've done a great job up until now um mm. and I, if they don't actually adapt i think they will get left behind uh over time yeah. because i don't think they give enough back to their their athletes but fortunately for them what they have got is obviously they've got the support of all of the top level key players in the world you yeah. know like the old school brazilian guys who probably are less business oriented and more just do jiu-jitsu um and obviously they're friends friends of friends of friends of people who run ibjf then they're trying to keep competing at worlds you know yeah and as long yeah. as you've got as long as you've got like leandro law hodolfo vieira butcher turn up for the gi worlds every year yeah. everyone still say ibjf is the best world championships going you know it's just and in my opinion that 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 won't get changed until uh the top guys kind of change what they're doing, yeah, uh, yeah. Who knows the pro shows and obviously the introduction of like heel hooks now. And there's lot lots of things they're doing, but um, I don't know if IBJF will keep them not uh, keep them monopoly on the market uh, for the for the future because unless they adapt and give back, uh, yeah. you know, we don't want to pay hundred two hundred pounds to compete and maybe get one match. I did a few money, years, yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah, I say I say to lots of people, you know, when they ask me about like, oh, like it must be great now, flying around the world and uh, and you know, like earning money for seminars or private lessons and, and this and that. And I'm like, man, Jujitsu still owes me so much money. <laughs> <laughs> like from what from what I put in, I probably I'm still nowhere near either. Yeah. You know, like, the amount of money I spent just to compete at lower levels, purple belt, yeah. brown belt, black belt before I was you know, before like EBI flew me to California. I pay, I, you know, I used to pay every single time. Every time I had to go to the good states, or every time I had to go compete in like Copenhagen, Zurich, anywhere, you know, I, I would be paying all the time. And although uh, I obviously don't begrudge it, man, it's an investment myself. You know, I, I definitely would do it uh, 10 mm-hmm. times over. You know, I would definitely do it 10 times over again. But uh, 100%, you know, like uh, I still think I'm working my way back to being even with Jiu Jitsu <laughs> in terms of finances <laughs> because. Um, it's not like you know. It's not like MMA. You know, it's not UFC money. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not MMA money. To be honest, it's not like belt or money or yeah. any other show that I know. Or it's it's purely. Um, it's like a local level MMA um, yeah. purse. Yeah. You know, so it's it's not like you're going home and thinking like, oh, you're not going to chill out for three months now. You're like, right, give me another match next weekend. You know, like <laughs> you got to go and go and go. So, and hopefully one day the UK will have enough shows that you know you can compete once, twice a month. Um, mm-hmm. That was actually the hardest thing about lockdown for me is watching all the other guys in America competing yeah. uh, pretty much every other weekend. And I was like, man, like, this is killing. Like, I'm watching you just absolutely destroy people and just like tear people up. Like, Hubert Jimenez, Cody Steele, you know, these guys, like, they were competing every single weekend. And yeah. Dan Leon, you know, you couldn't go a weekend without hearing their name and them on the stage and competing again. And, like, one week, like, one of them would lose, and the next week, you'd win, like, two and a bounce. And, yeah, you know, it, it, it seems if they never fall out of favour, you know, they weren't, they weren't, like, 
Because if I can beat three times, you know, win one, then I lose one. Everyone's like, ooh, he's on, he's on a losing streak now. And you're like, yeah, yeah. I've lost one match, you know. But they will just have <laughs> one match, they're losing, they're winning. And then yeah. everyone just like to get some on the loss in the middle. It's like, ah, man, he's on a, he's on a tear, man. This guy's absolutely lit. He's, he's destroying everyone, even though he's yeah. lost in the last few weeks. Yeah. So yeah. That, that was really hard, that was. Definitely, definitely. That was one thing as well. I mean, even if you wanted to compete in America, you couldn't, because obviously America wouldn't let anybody in. Um, yeah. I know they had kind of water competitions. I've got a lot of friends over there, and they were travelling to different competitions and things. I know IBJJF put um, a few competitions on in Florida and stuff like that. But, yes. yeah, I mean, if you were coming from out with America, you couldn't go. You couldn't go at all. 100% not. That, that was definitely, uh, over this last seven months, that's been... Uh, very difficult is just essentially like like <laughs> me and Tom Harper keep fighting every weekend if you if ever wanted us to, <laughs> uh, but it, you know I, we I, I know Tom would say the same he probably want to uh, keep getting back out there and competing against uh, yeah. those the Americans the Australians you know and, and keep pushing our names up those mm-hmm. up those uh, up the rankings yeah definitely and then we've got a question here. Um, I don't know. Obviously, Mark Davis looking for it, looking to take up jujitsu. Okay, any gyms that you would recommend in Ipswich? Now I know there's a couple. I think you've got Spartan BJJ um, in Ipswich. ZR, I've got a team in a kickboxing academy as well, um, which they run. Jeff, I'm sure it's still going. So Jeff Lawson from down there, Jeff Ipman Lawson. Yeah, I don't. So maybe um, I, I say this all the time about UK BJJ. Like I don't think people realise. Where Swans is located because yeah. it is literally nowhere. <laughs> it's, far, it's so far from anything good. I can't explain. It. Like I get, like I say, like people mess me all the time. They're like, oh, if you ever find yourself like near London or like near Birmingham or near Liverpool and you want to yeah. train, and I'm like, bro, that's never gonna happen. Like I couldn't like come out my house, swing a right, and then swing yeah. a left take a wrong turn in and end up in London. Like, there's yeah. no way that's, that's impossible to happen, you know? So, these places are so far from me and, and um, Swansea is so out of the way. Like, I, lo- I love where I live and I love I, I do enjoy kind of, uh, living in Swansea and, and uh, the city and the gym and everything I've got down here. But um, when people in the UK go like, oh, yeah, you're not far from me, I'm like, no, yeah. I, I am far from me. <laughs> so my, my knowledge outside of South Wales in terms of uh, where like everyone's gyms are, like I know a lot of the guys, you know, I know like a lot of the names and faces, but uh, my geographics in terms of jiu-jitsu in the UK is pretty appalling. Yeah, I mean, the best way to go, the UK BJJ underground seem to get, um, you'll get best reviews, as I said, uh, you go on That's there. if you're brave enough to post. <laughs> if you're brave enough to go on there and post something, then, yeah, I mean, as I said, you'll, you'll always get someone who'll give you kind of advice. Um, I, I, put up like, I put up like normal, genuine posts, just like, oh, what do people think of this? And then like a thousand comments of abuse and people just, uh, and, then I, and then I put a post before lockdown, we, we started this like uh, ADCC lightweight training, and I put a post in, like, oh, guys, I'd love for all of you guys to uh, to come down and uh, train with me for free. You know, me and Ro- Ross Nichols was coming down. I was like, this would be wicked training. You yeah. know, you don't pay. You can, you can sleep in the gym, whatever. You know, as much as I can help you, I will. 
and I still had people literally just going like, so why can't I come some 82 kilos? I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I, I'm not being a bad guy. I, I'm just like, I'm offering something for free. And if you don't follow the yeah. demographic, it's not really, I, I, I shouldn't be held accountable. That's not, that's not really my fault. Really not, you know? like, I was just trying to do something nice, but I still like, it's still like a thousand comments and people just give me loads and loads of abuse. So, yeah. When people ask me, like, oh, should I post a new keeping your underground? I'm like, man, it's at, it's at your risk. You know, you do if you want to. But I think I've left the group maybe like five, ten times since the yeah. strategy It's popped in and out. And someone's like, did you see this on the underground? I'm like, oh, get it back in there and then. And yeah. I start reading threads, you know. So, um, yeah, it's a bit of a crazy place. It is. I mean, the underground, I mean, it's, uh, it can be funny at times, but yeah, not so funny at other times. So, I, um, I remember. Before Fionn was um, before Fionn was uh, the phenom she is and like I never knew who she was. Uh, she posted on the underground like, "Oh, I'm going to California to the world." This was she was a blue belt. Uh, can anyone recommend somewhere good in Los Angeles or LA or San Diego, something like that, to train? Mm-hmm. First person just put a Google link of googling bj in, in san diego and <laughs> put the link in and she was like oh thanks for your help i thought the room was great for people to help each other but i was like if you don't put that in now everyone's like oh try this place try this place yeah <laughs> but, yeah she's like no and everyone's like why don't you look at yourself we're not google i'm like oh jesus christ <laughs> yeah underground as i've been i've been on it i mean since i started i've been doing jujitsu for about seven years um and yeah i've seen the the kind of ups and downs of the underground so yeah i mean if you're going to be posting on that definitely post <laughs> yeah i mean post at your own uh your own will um as you'd expect you're going to get some some abuse you're going to get some constructive kind of feedback or um but yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely yeah. have a look on that so uh, <laughs> now what about you then i mean obviously future plans i mean what what do you what, what what's your vision for the future for uh, yourself so uh, I've pretty much only got one goal now, and that's to qualify and to compete uh, well at ADCC. So yeah. I think, like, obviously it'd be lovely to have, like, an EBI title, uh, a Casa Pro title, and, and all these, and fight to win, and third course grappling. I'd love to compete on all these shows and, and keep performing, and that's really what I believe... I do, you know, I, I, I look at myself more as a performer than I don't I don't just go out there and be like, Oh, I, I hope I win and I don't care if it's boring. Yeah. Like, I really, really want people to be entertained by what I'm doing and I want them to think like this is what pro jujitsu should be like. You know, I, I say I do when when people ask me about competing on pro shows, um I always think that, you know, pro shows aren't gonna be pro shows and they're not gonna build unless the people on the cards are exciting. Yeah. And I I think in my last like fifteen matches, uh, my match has always been within the top three on on the card. Like as everyone just says, like oh, it was either fight of the night or like this one. Then your match was fight of the night, you know. So yeah, like, I, I, as long as I keep being entertaining, I'll be very happy because I think it's a very important thing to do. You know, unless you unless you do like a golden wine, unless you just go out there and submit everyone, yeah, and, and just prove that you can keep winning consistently. And the fact that your jiu-jitsu is probably the best on the planet. Mm-hmm. And I think the next best thing to do is to be entertaining because yeah. that's going to make people want to, to get involved with the sport, you know? Um, so as long as I keep myself being entertaining and I keep pushing towards that ADCC platform, I think I'd be, I'd be very happy with that. 
Um, you know, next year, I said this year I was going to try and be as active as possible. And obviously, this has been my least active year yeah. to date. Um, I've actually uh, I've actually lost one match per year for the last three years. So oh. I lost a match this year, one, lost one last year, lost one the year before. Uh, and they're all like super tough, good guys, you know. Yeah. But the problem is, is that it's not a protective record at all because, you know, I compete against the best of the best as often as I can. Yeah. But that's the problem is this is as often as I can, which is not frequent enough. You know, obviously if I start competing more, I will lose more for sure. But I think that's what I need at this stage of my career. You know, like if I'm going to make that push towards the top and especially the push to perform at ADCC level, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're not talking one match, you're talking about four matches over two days. Yeah. Um, you know, I really think that I, I need to be competing, uh, you know, twice a month uh, mm-hmm. maybe maybe more um just to keep myself as active and as um kind of like numbing, numbing yourself to the the environment you know like just just getting familiar with the environment not feeling like every event is like oh my god this is a massive deal yeah and it's crazy because i started working on that this year and i i was getting i was getting really good you know the, the players where i thought alicon I literally was as I was as cool and calm as I've ever been. I literally was like, man, don't stress, you know, just go out there do some jiu-jitsu and you know, we'll roll the dice and whatever will be will be. But I will go out there and do the best I can do. Mm-hmm. And I pulled off a great performance. And then uh against Halpin, uh weirdly against Riotolo, uh there was three months gap. And yeah. all the work I did, I was like, Man, Riotolo's really tough and I was eating myself up inside and I'm I'm not the uh grapple fest rule set doesn't really uh kind of gel well with my style of my style of jiu-jitsu mm-hmm. so uh there's a few factors in why i think psychologically i performed in that in that show um and then obviously polaris now against tom halpin i thought i put in a pretty good performance uh yeah. it probably you know for sure could have been better i think i definitely made some mistakes uh one of the biggest things which was which was a big shame was uh there was no clock on the screen for the first six minutes so i thought three minutes had been but six yeah. minutes in that I was like, man, I gotta go. So I started working a lot harder, and that's when I started to pass and and you know start to put on a better performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, against Tom, against Tom, I was I was super calm. I felt chilled, and uh, I really have been working on my mindset to compete in. Yeah, but I know for a fact that when it starts going like, right, you ready to compete against Johnny Gripple this weekend, then Gio Martinez next weekend, then Kennedy Martial next month. Uh, you know, it's going to start going up, 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 and it's really going to push up on me and it's going to be a, a hard uh, period, but that's what I think I need. You know, I, I need that before I get to ADCC so I can, um, so when I get to ADCC, you know, I don't just go uh, and one and done it. You know, I don't go in there, lose a match and never get back. Yeah. I yeah. go in there, you know, I beat, beat one or two guys. I solidify myself as that level, then mm-hmm. potentially get invited back and, who knows? Pull off the upset, you know. Get get like grab a bag of medal, get the top spot. Who knows where where I can get to? I'm really really confident that uh, on a good run and on a good day where I you know I pull out all the stops. Like like Lachlan's uh, Lachlan Giles's uh, absolute run. They if you were to bet every single pen you're gonna make for the rest of your life for him to repeat that. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I, there's no way I'd be taking a bet. You know? I wouldn't put no. money on that to happen again. But you know, I do believe I, I'm capable of, of um, a breakout performance like that. So, uh, and if you, you know, if you do manage something like that in the jiu-jitsu world, then you know your life will almost change overnight. So, yeah. 
uh, that for me is going to be the primary focus because uh, a lot of athletes, uh, unfortunately, whichever way you look at it, you know, they put all their eggs in one basket. You know, they try really hard their whole entire lives to be the pinnacle of the sport they can be. Uh, and you hear about it all the time, you know, guys get like maybe cut from the UFC uh, yeah. and, and then they fight on local shows and they're back making like pennies on the pound that they used to make, you know, and, and yeah. then they have to get like a normal job. There's even guys in the UFC, if they've been iced for long enough, they get like they have to get a job on the side to make, make ends meet. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, Jiu Jitsu is even less of a professional sport, there's less money in it. So, you know, it's, it's always daunting the fact that if you don't put performances together, then yeah. uh, your career could tank quite quickly. And that's one of the things I'm grateful for my academy for. You know, like I, I get paid a salary for my for my gym. Uh, and, you know, we've got good membership base and uh, the gym seems to go very well. So mm-hmm. I'm always grateful for the fact that I don't necessarily have to compete. Uh, yeah. You know, I want to compete. Where, you know, you hear a lot of guys, uh, in particular with MMA, where they're like, oh, you know, I have to, I have to make this performance count because... Yeah. It, you know, it could be the make or break of whether I put food on the table next month. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and for someone to be in that position where they've really committed their whole life to a sport, um, it's very, very tough. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where, you know, I don't want to be, which is why when I talk about the, when I talk about ADCC and, and go to the top, I can be, uh, it's a case of, it's all just extra for me. You know, I really yeah. feel like uh, I've, I've put myself in a good position to enjoy life if that's what I choose. But to not compete, I think would do myself the service because I've proven to um, be able to compete against that caliber of opponents, and uh, I really enjoyed the the idea of like being uh, like the first. You know, like I wasn't the first male athlete to compete in ADCC from UK. There's many been before me now. Like I think it's four been, mm-hmm. uh, but no one's still. You know, no one has won a match yet. So. And it's not a case of I want to be the first because uh, I want to prove a point that I'm better than everyone. It's yeah. a case of that I feel like the person who does it first opens the door for everyone else to go, man, yeah. we can actually do that. You know, like the amount of kids I get in my gym, they'll come up to me and go like, when I'm older, I want to be like you are. Like mm-hmm. compared to when I was a kid and I was saying, I'd love to do jiu-jitsu when I'm older. And I was like, what are you on about? Get a real job. Like go sit behind a desk. And I'm like, no, that's not what I want our life. And I really don't want to be stuck with that. So, yeah. uh, you know, the fact that it's, I, I always say that whatever all of us UK athletes achieve now in the next five years, mm-hmm. the 10 years following that, there are going to be these kids coming through that are just breaking records left, yeah. right and center. And you'll never keep up with them. You know, they'll overtake you. Uh, within a year or two of being a black belt but yeah. you know they I honestly just don't think people can do it without other people setting examples or leading the way or, or doing those first that people have never done and yeah. that's what I feel really uh, most very proud of myself is the fact that uh, I know that again like I've, I have tons of kids in the gym who always just go like I'd love to do jitsu when I'm older and the fact that that seems possible to them and the Ooh. fact that their parents don't actually even turn around and go like oh, that's just silly and they go yeah to be fair, Ashley's life does look look good. Like I definitely, definitely go for that. You know, like that yeah. that makes me proud. The fact that that is something that's viable now, which wasn't viable previously. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. I mean, it's good that you've got kids coming up to you, want to be like you. Obviously, you being a a kind of inspiration for kids coming up, um, and not just kids, but adults alike. I mean, there's obviously there's been a few people I've spoke to uh, over the last 
uh, well, since Polaris. I mean, since your your fight at Polaris, obviously, what you you winning that third fight, that third belt at Polaris, and speaking to me and saying that they were they were kind of inspired. And when I when I'd put the first post up that I was going to be speaking to you, I kind of got a lot of people sending me stuff, sending me videos and things like that, yeah. just watching videos of you in different competitions and so on. So, yeah, so. I do get. Um... You know, I get great feedback when I when I win or lose. To be fair, you know, I've lost and had a lot of support in the past, and it does really mean the world to me. You know, like when people are um, when people watch the matches, and you know, it, it makes a difference to them. Um, I think that's brilliant, and that's yeah. what I actually enjoy massively about competing. Is the fact that, in, for example, in lockdown, you know, like a lot of guys in my gym were you know deprived of jiu-jitsu you know and then they were hungry for it you know and they couldn't train or whatever else but i think even just watching someone you know compete um can just give you that little bit of a boost in your day you know give you that little bit of uh, a good weekend feeling and it's it's really cool you know the fact that we're we're able to do that um but as i said you know in the uk uh you can have probably equal amount of haters if not more than supporters um but I think people will, will change over time. You know, the Americans kind of have got like this massive, like let's get behind anyone who's doing good attitude, um, yeah. which I think is brilliant. You know, it's really, really cool that that happens. You know, I said like, if I when I went to my parents when I was younger, saying like, oh, I know I don't want to go to university, they'd always say like, you know, make sure you got something to fall back on, mm-hmm. which isn't necessary. It's not bad advice. Mm-hmm. But when Nicky Ryan, for example, goes to his parents, goes, you know, I don't want to be in school and I want to do jiu-jitsu full-time. Yeah. They go, well, then, just be the best you can be. You yeah. know, so... But if I was... If if I hadn't won Polaris titles and I hadn't had had success in competing, I'd probably be grateful for the degree I've got. So, yeah. you know, it, it's... it's um, it's a risk-reward situation, you know, but uh, I'm definitely glad that, uh, I, you know, I pursued jiu-jitsu and kind of uh, didn't listen to a lot of people who were criticising the fact that it, it couldn't be something, you know? Yeah, definitely. And then we mentioned as well, obviously, you're bringing out the um, instructional at some point yeah. next year, the arm drag takedown instructional. Yeah, so what, what, before I fought Richard Alcon, I um, I did a, an instructional with uh, Grapple Club uh, for Z-Guard. So before I was, uh, uh, when I was a brown belt, I actually was just an out-and-out guard player. So I pulled guard every single match and I only played uh, like half guard one butterfly or Z guard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually won a European Nogi brown belt title in IBJF, uh from that position. I I, th- I think I submitted three or four guys from that position. Yeah. And the other one then I pulled guard, swept and took his back and rode out the time. Um, but I told him, I was like, look, I'm telling you, I'm going to hit the arm drag. Like, I know, I know what's coming. I know it's there. I'm going to hit the arm drag. Let's film that. It'll be wicked. People will enjoy it. And then they were like, no, no, like, how, uh, the, the takedown instructions don't always go that well. And I'm like, no, but I'm telling you, man, it's going to be like a highlight one. It's going to be a good one, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then uh, they said, they, they were like, no, we, you know, we'll just go for the guards. So I was like, okay, let's go for guards. So we did that. You know, it went really well. And I really, really enjoyed the, the product. And um, uh, we, we had a lot of success with it. But uh two weeks later i hit the arm drag and i was like man that takedown so dope it's you know they, they're going crazy i got people mesh me from all over the world going like ah uh, the ash williams arm drag coming out again and i was like ah oh, like if we had filmed it and put it out right now like that would have been absolutely crazy you know so um but yeah so i've been working really hard with uh, uh one or two 
guys uh, attack the back. It's how Rich Presley, uh, he's a super, super talented guy, um, very, very good um, in the jiu-jitsu world in terms of his uh, marketing, branding, and other stuff. Um, and we're looking to, um, and we're going to launch uh, an online learning platform next year. Uh, and it will be kind of kicked off with the Arm Drag Instructional. Uh, we're looking for like a subscription based kind of website. Uh, it'd be yeah. like super, super low cost, you know, only a couple of pounds a month. Um, yeah. where I just update and put some stuff in that I've been working on, maybe do some QA's on there, you know, answer some uh questions from, from people who are learning jiu jitsu. Uh, one of the biggest things I uh, like, I think, is a, a massive difference. Um, in my jiu-jitsu career compared to a lot of others is I've frequently been asked the question like, oh, how come you don't move gym to uh, like a gym full of world champions? Yeah. And I also tell everyone like, if you utilize your training room properly and you, you know, you have faith in your team, then you can achieve whatever you want to achieve. You know, and mm-hmm. I've always been a big advocate of um, my team's my team. You know, if I fail with my team, I'll fail with my team. If I win with my team, I'll win with my team. Yeah. But I, you know, I don't have any intention to leave the people who are by my side now uh, for my whole career. You know, and a lot of people do do it. A lot of people move gyms, shift, uh, do changes. Um, sometimes it's for the better. Sometimes it generally is a better idea. Uh, and sometimes it's because, you know, you want to blame an external factor for an intrinsic factor, you know, the, of why you're failing. Like, you could be failing because you, your work rate or the way you treat uh, the competition isn't adequate enough. So yeah. that's one thing I think we're going to push very hard in terms of the online platform is try to give people some motivation who maybe yeah. are struggling with going like, oh, but my training is not optimal. Oh, I haven't got world champions on my mats. How can I be good? You know, like uh, I think it does make a big difference uh, when you speak to someone about it who's in a similar position uh, about how they overcame similar obstacles and what type of training they were implementing to uh, still achieve what they've achieved. So yeah. my favorite thing, whenever I get a world champion or a very high level person on the gym, I, I don't really ask them about the techniques. I ask them a lot about like how they train, the methodology they use, the principles yeah. they use, you know, basically their, their mindset and readings and how their brain works. Um, yeah. I don't know. Have you watched uh, Queen's Gambit on Netflix? No, no. Ah, uh, that is fantastic. Okay, but Queen's Gambit on Netflix. Uh, obviously the there's the Michael Jordan documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what was that called? Remember Michael Jordan? I remember that one. Um, I didn't see that. I remember my son yeah. watching it, and then um, oh, last, last dance. That's one. Last dance. Last dance. Yeah, yes. Everyone was watching that. So like, I watch a lot of stuff like that. I watch a lot of documentaries on sports. Like I watched one on cheerleading. I watched one on ballet. I watched loads of stuff with, with regards to someone achieving uh, yeah. high level because yeah. realistically the crossover between uh, any athlete or really any person who achieves highly within their field, mm-hmm. um, even if you just go like to people like Warren Buffett or anything, people who, who just are very high achievers, uh, often their mindsets have got massive crossovers in how they view life or how they approach their day or how they approach the situation they're in. So yeah. I watch a lot of stuff like that, um, not for like to sit there for entertainment value, but I yeah. really enjoy seeing like what they, uh, you know, how they tick and what makes them like work. So yeah, yeah, yeah I'm that. I mean, you're talking about. Um obviously the ones on Netflix, my daughter does gymnastics. And one of the things she watched was Simone Biles, um, Simone Biles, uh, documentary. Yeah. yeah, yeah I mean, I remember yeah. sitting 
watching a bit of that and just seeing again everything she did. I mean, she was outside in the front garden doing backflips for six and seven hours at a time. Yeah. Um, and she wouldn't stop until she got it. That's why I do. I do feel like it's very. Um... It's, it's a, the social media is a tough one these days because it kind of like it can highlight stuff like that where you really watch and asking how they grow and how they develop. Yeah. And then you also got like the like I don't want to call them the Conor McGregor fans of MMA, but mm-hmm. like that similar type of generational idea of people where they just go, oh, it's cool. I'll, I'll just I'll just be like Conor McGregor was. <laughs> You're like, man, that yeah. guy was putting serious work. Like, yeah. he didn't just get into the UFC and then start smack talking. Yeah. And like by luck. Like KO'd five people in a row. That that didn't happen. You know, the guy put in super, super like yeah, yeah. to get where he is. And anyone who like gets to UFC level, anyone who gets to black belt world champion level, mm-hmm. if anybody thinks that they just decided one day, ah, oh, quite fancy being a black belt champion. Cool. Yeah, yeah. That's where we go, you know. If if you if you even just think about the fact that why did Gordon Ryan not win the Gi Worlds? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he can't or he couldn't. He, but he definitely put a gun and realised that the task was going to be difficult. Yeah, yeah. Because if he could easily just have done it, why wouldn't he just do it to prove yeah. a point? Like hundred percent, you definitely. If I could win Gee Wills, do you think I'd be? I wouldn't be sitting here right now. I'd be. I'd probably have my feet up in California, Hawaii, somewhere, yeah. enjoying my lovely beach house. You know, like so. Yeah. It's, it's a case of if you you know if you could do it why wouldn't you and it's yeah. because like the amount of hard work all these people have to put in uh is exceptional and, like uh you you get people watch ufc uh like the undercard or the prelim fights i'd be like oh i beat him i'm like yeah. ah no you wouldn't <laughs> no you wouldn't yes they, they don't look as good as the guy who's the top of the division yeah they, the the guys down here are still significantly better. Like like, but and the gap is huge compared to the general population. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I think people get that misconception all the time. It's like, oh, that don't that don't look like he's that good. Like, oh, I could just pass his guard. And you're like, yeah. well, go pass his guard then. You go pass his guard and tell me that yeah, it, you know, it looked easier on screen than it does in person because it's it's the truth, you know. Yeah. Um, so like that's what I uh, I said. I love those documentary stuff because. Yeah. You, you really get to see the fact that p- the, the, the those iceberg kind of um, memes, you know, where they show like the the success and everything underneath. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's just true for every athlete that ever achieved. You know, the, yeah. the amount of hard work they put in uh, mm-hmm. is incredible. You know, which, which is why I've got respect for. That's why they say I lose or win. Mm-hmm. If I lose, when I lose, I'm always just like, fair play, buddy. You must be really good at jiu-jitsu because I train really hard every day to be good yeah. at this sport. Yeah. So if someone beats me, uh, well, they just they had a better hand that day. You know, they, mm-hmm. they brought and they played the hand a lot better than I did. Yeah. It doesn't mean I can't beat them at some point in the future. It just means that you know they did do very good that day, and I should be happy for them. Definitely, definitely. And then, obviously, in regards to you, then anybody sponsor wise, sponsor wise, or anybody for your journey that you want to thank uh, so far? They, yeah. They, if I if I ever got round to the, the the day when I retire, um, the amount of people I'd have to thank would be like, like just infinite. Yeah. You know, like there's guys who helped me back when I was like 16. Uh, yeah. Guys who when I, when I was in university, you know, like made my life uh, bearable. You know, they just helped me with my. And it's it's the crazy things, it's like the day to day stuff. And like 
keeping on top of your ghee washing or your no ghee washing, uh, keeping your diet good, you know, it's so much easier to pick up snack food and junk food. Like, there's so many people that uh, have uh, been a massive push in my journey. Um, But the truth is, you know, my family, like my my wife, my brother, um, my sister-in-law, my sister, uh, my parents, you know, like uh, my coach, uh, Chris, uh, and my team, the the guys I train with day in and day out, you know, like – uh, I always say to my team before I go, but literally every Thursday before I go compete on the before I travel on the Friday and compete Saturday, I always just say like I'm gonna try my best because when I'm out there I represent us as a team, and yeah. you know if I fail then we failed and if I succeed then we've succeeded. You know that's yeah. why I tell my team every single time before we compete, because I'm massively pro that idea. You know no athlete is a standalone island and mm-hmm. they need the support network. So uh, to Tommy Fightwear, I've had my back since day one. They've been they've been on board and and helped me out as much as they possibly can. Uh, but yeah, generally, you know, just everyone who's helped me, I think they know who they are, and uh, yeah. I'm always grateful for the sport network. Like how a single athlete does it, like by themselves or like solo. Like you get these guys who've like got like two kids, like a full time job, and yeah. then they're still competing every weekend. And you're like, man, how you like? It blows <laughs> my mind how people do it. You know, like hats yeah. off them because um, I don't, I don't think I could do that now. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Well, it's been an honour, an absolute honour to speak to Yash. Um, as I said, I'm definitely a fan. As I said, uh, obviously I've seen quite a few of your uh, kind of competitions, seen you on Polaris a few times. So um, absolutely love watching you, love watching your jiu-jitsu style. Um, and yeah, fingers crossed, obviously we get out this coronavirus lockdown and we can get oh, you back competing again and get you to them ADCC trials, definitely. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. Listen, it's been an absolute honour and we'll speak to you soon, bro, okay? No worries. Take it easy, mate. Bye-bye.